Thursday, August 17th, 2017. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we're honored to present a review and discussion on the new book of magical fiction, Stories of Magic and Enchantment by William Mistley, with the author as our guest. Now, this book is handsomely published by Falcon Books, a new publisher in the field. As regular listeners will recall, we have supported Bill Mesterly from the beginning of his writing and publishing career, having had him on as a guest with his first book, Undines, in 2010, and this was followed by Mermaid Silks, Gnomes, and Salamanders in 2012. And as you might suppose, Bill is very much into Franz Barden's Hermetic Elemental Personifications. He writes from a deep empathy for sacred nature and its spirits, encountering them in human form as magicians often do. He favors the feminine spiritual perspective. His stories are remarkably free from the usual horror and conflict we associate with supernatural fiction. We might say they are totally opposite to H.P. Lovecraft, while being lovingly crafted. Bill has a degree in philosophy and has spent years studying and meditating with Buddhist and Taoist and Native American teachers. He finally devoted himself to the Bardonian system of magic and has more books in the works. So if you would like to meet a true magical maestro and learn about his visionary work, Stay with us and be enchanted. And, uh, Maestro, are you with us? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can Hello? hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, I can read, I read you five by five. Uh, so, so stay on. Uh, now, uh, what I would like to do is, is kind of go through the table of contents on the book here. And and you know and and but first I'd like to you to talk about the you know your background that I just you know summarized and I summarized it from from what you have in the back of the, the back of the book here. Tell us uh, you know how, in your own words uh, how you uh, all this 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 anthropological field work uh, that you did with the, the these various traditions. How that finally guided you to Franz Barden. I would like that. I would like to know that. Uh, so would would you go ahead and tell us about that? Yeah, well, I, I think part of it comes from my family of origin. My parents went to uh, a huge extent to socialize me so that I would grow up to be normal. And uh, but these were complete extroverts. And they they had me in all sorts of social organizations and religious organizations, but uh, it was back in the 60s. It was a time of great conflict, and we had a lot of political things going on in the world. But uh, mainly, I was uh, captivated in, in a kind of a visceral level with with the fact that you know while Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were going out building their 50 billion dollar empires. I was acutely aware that every day the whole world could be vaporized and, and come to an end within a few hours with an all-out nuclear exchange. And in the 60s, a lot of people, majority of people, believed there would be such a war. So in that context, 
when I looked at all these religious traditions and, and philosophical and wisdom and institutions surrounding me, which were you know offering me all sorts of paths to success, uh, it, it dawned on me that you know what what is the value of success if the whole scheme of society is so contingent on on uh, uh, you know accidents? And there were at least six times when we the world was minutes away from an all-out nuclear conflict. So so that got me in a mythological vein, like you know why are we here? What is our purpose? Uh, what what? Are human beings supposed to accomplish? You know, and those are real questions for me, not as a traditional question, but as you know, very, very much now, right now in my life. How am I supposed to direct myself in a meaningful way in this context? So after college, I began studying esoteric oral traditions because I wanted uh, an environment where language wasn't literal. I came out of this 500 years. Read the Bible, literal. And it seemed they were missing the the drama of the inner self and and the discovery process of of what it is to become a spiritual being. So I turned to the old traditions on Earth. The Hopi Indians had the uh, 900 year old settlement, the longest existing city in the United States. Uh, the Nyingma tradition in Tibetan was founded by Padma Sambhava back in the ninth century. The, the Taoist lady I studied with had a monastery that existed for 2,000 years in China, had never been torn down or invaded. Um, these were, were some of the, the uh, people I went to where I could listen to how they worked the inner world of the self with the outer world uh, they, they were in at this time. So that got me going, and it prepped me. I was already uh, already had a, an immense capacity of clairsentience before I picked up the first book of Barton. So I was I was already like kind of fully engaged. So uh, the the Barton's approach gave me like you know a path. You know he's he's saying like here's the four elemental kingdoms, uh, enter them, make them like a second home, and embody the the wisdom and and perceptions of those realms. Uh, this is an immense. But, you know, being clairsentient, it was like, oh, here's a mermaid queen. Oh, here's a, a king of the salamanders. It was, it was like really simple. It was as easy to read their auras, the auras of someone sitting next to me. So that got me going. But this, this type of uh, superficial read the aura and you think you understand is not the same as, as, you know, realizing that these races have different evolutions. And then they're not talking to each other. And the human race itself has many different ways of going, and these these different ways are not talking to each other either. either. So uh, that put me in perspective of, you know, why am I here? And I look at myself not as a spiritual person, but as someone to solve problems. That was my family tradition. You have a problem, you solve it. People don't know how to do a stick shift engine. You invent the automatic transition transmission, which my uncle did for General Motors. You know, you 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 don't have TV or radio. What do you do? You go down to Kitty Hawk and you watch the Wright brothers uh, testing their new plane, which my uncle and my mother did. You know, so it's like you know, I'm I'm in a a world of mythology, just being born in the family I was in, because they saw so much transition in technology during their lives, but they never looked inside themselves. So I had that kind of assignment given to me. 
Well, the the uh, you know, Farden uh, of course has that uh, very much of an emphasis on on the uh, on the four, or on the five magical elements, uh, which uh, which also um, figures in in in, in theosophy, uh, and and uh, the and, and in the East. Although they use, they use wood, you know, and 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 we we do the their their four elements are not exactly the same as ours, but but they're very you know there's quite a, quite a bit of similarity in the in the idea of relating the elements, uh, and and uh, and of course we in in Western magic, which Barton has 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 uh, gone gone along with, is is personifying is personifying the uh, the elements with their spirits. Which you you have uh, you have really done a wonderful job, you know, uh, m- making that come to life in your books. Uh, and uh, uh, what I what I'd kind of like you you know to ask you is is um, uh, you studied uh, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, you studied Taoism, and you've actually practiced with these people, and and uh, Native Americans with the Hopis and and uh, and all. Uh, and how would, would would you say that that uh, that 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 all of this Eastern and Native American study and meditation experience has that uh, sort of dovetailed with what you found in in Franz Barton? Well, it it's kind of like uh, you you go to a master, and what you really want from them is that inner deepest inspiration which has, has illuminated their lives. So whatever that is, it's unique to the individual. So in a way there there's the tradition, the lineage, yeah. the, the system of training, but there's always something uh, you get from that person. So in a way, the answer to your question is no. None of it has been very helpful to me other than to say, here's what we've done for a 1,000 or 3,000 years uh, but hello, it doesn't work for you. And then I have to figure out what I mean. I can get it to work on a on a for a year or two, but my body kicks in and says, "No, you can't do that anymore." So, like I practice ah, right. one of the, you know. Uh, the uh, we have we have a, 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 another uh, kind of kind of a guest guest interviewer too, uh, and this is uh, uh, Mary Kamer. Uh, Master Philos, who is uh, he's our he's our Golden Dawn demonstrator, uh, Brother Merrick. Are you are you on? I am here. I just tuned in. I I wasn't listening before because I I always thought that you couldn't hear the radio and talk on the phone at the same time. <laughs> but so I realized yeah, right. what's going okay. on. I yeah, probably yeah, missed whatever. Don't, don't. Yeah, don't get the phone too near the radio because you know then we get then we get problems. Yeah, uh, no, I just and, it and, down, so. yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and I want to mention that uh, 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 Bill, I want to mention that Merrick Merrick is is a library is a librarian and he's also a, 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 a storyteller. And this is one of the reasons why I I was very anxious to give him your book because uh, Merrick uh, Merrick tells tell stories to children and and and, and he's and he's he's very very good at this he's he's almost like the pied piper of los angeles you might say so uh merrick's uh will be asking you know some questions about uh, about the children's stories one thing or another and and uh and, and he's been reading your book 
I I still want to want to want to stay on this Bardonian theme because that's your that's your main theme and and uh, you know as as we all know the Hermetic tradition the basic bedrock of the Hermetic tradition is the four and the well the five the five elements spirit being the animating element or, or uh, and uh, air earth fire and water uh, and and spirit and they are and in, in, in european in european uh, folklore and in and in magic they are personified we have we have the uh you know the the salamanders of the fire and we have the the sylphs of the air and the undines of the water the mermaids and and uh and the gnomes of the earth and and of course uh, you can say the angels are sort of the spirit the akasha and what have you and and the whole system of western uh, western hermetic uh, magic is based on these these elements now also so you personify them and you can meet them inside in your chakras and, and inside uh, uh and or you can meet them actually you can meet personifications of them in person which i noticed that in your first book, Undines, you 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 met a number of, of personified mermaids, and uh, that was fascinating. And yet, at the same time, Franz Barden, knowing that that uh, that these creatures, and this course dovetails with astrology, with the cardinal signs, Franz Barden, knowing that these uh, elements were very strong in us, in our bodies, he had a balancing system. Which he called, which he called mirrors, and and, and you you made these mirrors into of yourself, of your of your elemental makeup, and then he had quite a program for balancing them and and uh, balancing these elements because uh, you know the, you, you whatever you predominate, whatever elemental quality predominates in your personality, you might you you, you to, be, to be balanced, you need to balance all all four elements. Uh, you wanna you wanna uh, talk about uh, how you've handled that in your in your uh, in your stories? Well, the uh, well, I have one. I have a set of stories called Farmer Jack Allen and the Silk. Basically, saying you know, in the ordinary world, very magical, supernatural things happen. And here's a story about something that you know seems impossible, but uh, actually, you can run into these women or men who who. If you interview them, you interview them over years. They don't. They they look human. They, they they talk human. But when you ask them a question, it's like you're talking to a being from another evolution. They are simply not human. They don't have a human soul. So uh, it's been. I feel like the Brothers Grimm here. You know, I've been going around collecting stories, and and some of these women, it takes me years to get them to reveal themselves to me. And then on the internet, uh, women will put in. You know, they'll put in mermaid woman, and they'll do a search on Google, and they'll get my essay, Traits of Mermaid Women. And then they'll write me and say, you know, you're the only one who ever understands me. It's like you're inside inside my head. So it, it, the, the, that type of essay comes out of interviewing these people and asking them about their lives and, and how the world works for them and what they experience differently from other human beings. The main lesson I've learned after five years of my Find a Mermaid and Interviewer project is that the different elemental beings, the, the gnome, the, the fire spirit, the, the sylph, the air spirit, and the mermaid, when they're in a human body, 
they don't necessarily get along or connect to, to their other elemental beings. It's like it's like I have a rule: don't mix realms. Some people are never supposed to talk to each other or interact with each other because their ores short each other out. Now it can be very benevolent. Like I, I was in Oak Creek down in Sedona, and and another girl who's like a mermaid and I were trying to show uh, a gnome woman. We had her floating in the creek. And there was a mermaid down the stream, you know, an astral being. And we were trying to get her into the water element. And she just couldn't get it. She loves water, but she could not become water. And that's the nature of these, these you know, versus a, a someone with a great affinity to water, uh, like a human who's incredibly empathic, but they still have an ego. The actual mermaids have no ego. If they relax, they become water itself. There's no fish or anything else attached to them in their consciousness. And they don't necessarily connect to the, the air spirits, and, and it's like they can't even comprehend the earth element. It's like a, the, the idea of a work ethic has no meaning to most mermaids, or the idea of exerting your will and committing to some, to some project. It's meaningless, because they're from a realm that's pure love. There's no survival going on there. They don't make things in the mermaid realm. So... You know, it's kind of shocking to me when I'm under orders from Barden to balance all five elements of myself, and I meet beings, people with a soul that, you know, the other elements are simply incomprehensible to them. Some have more than one element, but in that case, it's, they've got a complex thing going on, a struggle inside themselves to balance even two. So I, I'm just astonished and so appreciative of Barden that he says, you know, hey, work at it. Get it. There's no excuse for failure. That's a wonderful thing for someone to say for me. Yeah, this um, this this uh, indicates, of course, and, and confirms that that uh, that hermetic uh, hermetic practice and hermetic meditation is a is a sort of a uh, of a classical of a classical system of uh, in a way of psychology. And 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 of course that that goes along with Jung because Jung was quite uh, you know quite enamored of it and alchemy and of course uh, and astrology and alchemy as as we know uh, is very much uh, you know centered in this whole elemental elemental process. Uh, now going down the, down your uh, your uh, table of contents here, I'm looking at uh, at a story called uh, uh, called the Carrier Strike. Group commander and the mermaid, which I which I thought was really really interesting. Did you ever spend any time on an aircraft carrier? Uh, I almost spent a week on one, but my boss took the job instead of me. She she thought she would go. She preferred to uh, she she assigned herself rather than the next person in line. So I missed that up. But I have taught Navy, uh, Marines, and and uh, sailors in in as a civilian instructor. I'm kind of used to you know how they think and stuff. Yeah, well, and, 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 but you you certainly are a sailor, and you and and and, and uh, I recognize that being a sailor myself, and uh, and uh, the, the the carrier strike group commander is sailing out in this little sailboat, uh, you know, away from the carrier and and encountering the mermaid. This is no, this is a delightful story, and, 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 and you know and. Sh- Oh yeah, well, well, I, 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 you know, being a former military man and, and not not Navy and Army, but still, you know, and a sailor, I really appreciated that 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 story because, it, you know, there's one of the things I, 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 I so much, 
enjoy about this this uh, this collection of fiction of yours is the fact that it does not depend on conflict, on violence, as I said in the abstract to begin with. Uh, most supernatural, most supernatural fiction is of the horror genre and what have you, or or either that or it's or it's uh, it's very it's wildly fantastic and, and and violent, and and your 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 fiction is entirely positive. Uh, whatever conflict there is, it is it is presented in a very positive way, and. In fact, you even have a story in here where the, the little girl mother is trying to tell her a bedtime story and asks her what kind of a story she she wants, and she says she wants a story with well, with, with a lot of plot and conflict and all this kind of stuff, and and that and that of course is not what she gets, but uh, but the story works out very well anyway. Uh, which you know, uh, I don't want to give the impression that 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 the book is uh, uh, you know. Uh, they, you know that that derogatory term used so much for theosophical stuff called fluffy bunny. You know, this is not a fluffy bunny book, and 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 you are not a fluffy bunny writer. And this is powerful, powerful magical uh, writing, uh, and powerful magical characters uh, drawn, uh, but but in a very very positive positive way. Did you uh did you purposely plan to do that or, or uh did you have uh you know did you consider writing some some uh um you know some kind of blood and thunder stuff or did you uh, did you purposely hold your hold yourself back? Talk about that. You you gotta look at what I'm dealing with like like the, the discussions about Atlanta. Here's the continent that I mean a whole civilization and according to the myth they screwed up. They lost their whole continent. So it's kind of like over and over my stories are trying to get at that. Why? How, what could they have done different to, pre, to prevent Atlantis from not being destroyed? So, you know, I've got stories here where, where you know, the, the, the head of the Dark Order in Atlantis is talking to an archdemon. And, and the demon's saying, you know, hey, we do good work. You know, I want you to come work for me. You've got talent. <laughs> so uh, the underlying that is the fact that this guy – does stuff that destroys the whole continent. But I'm not going into the destruction as much as, you know, what set it up? What could they, you know, and the choices, what could they have done? Like the little kid says, I don't like the ending to that story. Give me a different ending. And these are people who deal with parallel realities, parallel worlds. They say, well, in this other world over here, just like Earth, it it went a different way. I'll tell you that story if you want a different ending. In a way, it's like, you know, I could go into the, the violence, but in a way I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that whole realm of violence is, is in question, you know. Do you want that or, or do you want to try to figure out how to come up with a different thing? Here we have North Korea which in a half hour will, will kill 8 million people if they decide to nuke Seoul uh, or something. So, you know, we're in a dark world here <laughs> uh, already. You know, you don't, you don't need me to say it's a dark world. It, it's right there. Amen to that. I thoroughly agree with you. I mean, this is why this book is, is so inspiring and, 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 so, and so delightful to read, especially with all the stuff that's going on now. It's, it's almost therapeutic. You know, I put myself to sleep with it, uh, uh, you know, for about a week. And and uh, and it was it, it 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 I actually and then I you know I, I take some uh, some mugwort and have some very beautiful dreams 
and and oh. I want to thank you for that. <laughs> it's really nice. So, uh, so this, uh, this, uh, yes. This terrier now strikes like the commander and the mermaid. You see, that's kind of a, a sad story because this this commander knows what it is to be a human being. He knows how the world works, and he's got this creature who is pure love. But he knows right away that that he cannot have a relationship with her, even though she can take the body of a woman who who's committing suicide, revive the girl, and and spend a life with the commander. He knows the problem is these mermaids don't know what a, they have no um they have no commitment. They don't know how to be yeah. there for you. They're so in the moment that if they're not with you, they're, they're not even thinking about you. But if they're with you, you're getting more than you'd get from any other person. And he, he realized, yeah. I need loyalty as a human being, and I can never get that from a mermaid. So it's kind of, it's kind of like he sees the conflict between two different worlds, and at some point in the future or in some other situation, they work it out. The guy will figure out, okay, the mermaid will say, yes, I'm loyal, I'm committed to you. And the guy will say, I have become part of your world. That way we are of the same species. But that's a huge, I can't find men who, you know, I've got these beautiful women who occasionally become free, but, you know, how can you recommend them to a man when, when they're dangerous to be around? They, they give you kind of, it's like being on cocaine, and you get the withdrawal symptoms, and the guys don't know how to handle that. There is a kind of dark, tragic scene being played out. You know, when I, I talk to these mermaid women now, one of my questions is, have any of your boyfriends committed suicide? Because that's come up a number of times. The guy yeah, of course, you're taking a different approach than the Comte de Gabelais, who actually, you know, that, that uh, 16th century novel in which he had uh, he had his uh, protagonists uh, uh, marrying the, these elementals on the astral and and uh, and having relationships. This is kind of like Sukhubi, you know, sort of, sort of like Sukhubi and Inkubi, uh, but... Uh, uh, you're 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 taking this into our dimension, and dealing with it in our dimension, and I think that that's perhaps uh, well, well. I feel that that's a more profound way to do it, because I agree with you. There are the there are number numerous elemental uh, you know personifications. Uh, in fact, you know, I said one time uh, about uh, about conjuring to the to uh, to visible appearance. Uh, when somebody asked me about it, and I said, okay, this is what's going to happen. Either it's going to show up in the dark mirror, it's going to show up in your dreams, or it's going to walk in your front door. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 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 Master Phylos, would you uh, would you like to make some uh, and ask some uh, ask some questions of uh, of uh, Bill? Oh sure. Well, thank you. Um, first of all, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Is it William Mistile? Mistily. Mistily. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to meet you. Uh, means little mistletoe in Swiss German. Okay, Miss Mistily. Okay, very good. It's good to meet you over the phone. Yeah. And it's good to meet you through uh, through two of your books that I have here. Uh, one, of course, we've been talking about the stories of magic and and enchantment. And then I believe uh, anterior to that, you uh, wrote one called Mermaids, Sylphs, Gnomes, and Salamanders. Have I got them in the right order? And the the first one was Undines. And uh, Undines. 
Yeah, the one I have is it, it refers to them as mermaids. So I, I is that a different edition? Uh, I, I don't know. If you yeah. go to Amazon.com, punch in undines, and you you get the book. Okay, great. Well, uh, anyway, I've, I've been hearing some interesting things, uh, uh, including uh, the uh, Comte de Gabalan. I, I believe that in his uh, situation, uh, the, the destiny of uh, of these um, um, elementals was to uh, obtain a soul, and they would try to uh, connect with human beings for the purpose of, of giving them a soul. And I seem to recall that... Uh, the character of Noah or Noah in the Bible was was the result of commerce between uh, between I believe it was Zarathustra and a salamander. So that's fascinating stuff. Now I I am uh, particularly interested in your uh, stories. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I have to mention that my my mother is uh, very much into fantasy and she writes uh, myths and things about fairies and gnomes. So I immediately identify with your work because it, it connects me with my mother as well. And uh, she is in the process of writing, you know, finalizing some stories. Uh, one thing that you mentioned in, uh, in I guess it's in the um, first book, uh, there's one title called uh, Nome Mentilfe. Is that correct? Say it again. Uh, the Nome uh, Mentifo. Okay, the gnome, uh, go on. Maybe I'm mispronouncing that, but uh, anyway, uh, I I can identify with um, the idea that my mother one time uh, communicated with a tree. And, uh, you know, my mother is has a lot of imagination, but she also has her practical side. And just one day she, uh, she was going on for a good 30 minutes about how she had uh, kind of filled at one with this with this tree and, and that her soul had somehow merged in with the tree and and as I was reading your your description of uh, Mentifel the gnome uh, I it, it just uh, mustered up that memory right yeah really I do that. Me. yeah <laughs> so I I presume you do a lot of meditating out in the wilderness and uh, perhaps even under the trees and amid the well, rocks in, and so I was 10 years in Tucson, and I had a habit of going out among the swirl cactus where, you know, miles without no one around me. And I would sours, you know, I'd get up occasionally, but I would just pick one step rough from the tree of life and, and contemplate it for six hours. So that was mm. that was me, you know. Uh, but I was in nature. You know, I had to do it in nature for some reason. Nature and very much secluded, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, I uh, Pope, thank you for mentioning the uh, Pied Piper of Hameln, or Hameline, as uh, Robert Browning put it. Uh, that was actually my first uh, my first production for children was to uh, enact the story of the Pied Piper, or as the Germans say, the Rattenfänger von Hameln. And yeah. uh, it's interesting that in um, in your discussion, um, I believe in in regard to the story of Atlantis. You, uh, uh, Mr. Mentila, uh, Mestila was was referring to changing the story. It had a bad ending, and we can change it to a good ending. And uh, I recognize that with the uh, production of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, which can have, and perhaps traditionally, it had a very sinister conclusion. You know, first the rats went into the river Baser, and and uh, and and by um, 
insinuation eventually the children were led in, into the river to be drowned. But there are several uh, retellings of that story that place the children in a new and secret land where they could then build their utopia. And uh, the story had a very optimistic ending. And so I appreciate the fact that uh, what seems to be um, dismal can can have an optimistic uh, transition. And I agree with Pope that, uh, you know, I get a positive message in in whatever portions of your book I've read. I haven't read every one thoroughly. I'm probably about 50% through them. Uh, but I have sensed a, uh, a very optimistic message, and uh, that that uh, sits with me very well. Uh, particularly, I look this at is the, the wonderful what. Yeah, Merrick, this yeah, is the, this is I say what the the wonderful thing about this book is that it is 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 its optimism and its its positive qualities as opposed to so much. So much in the in 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 what we call the occult and and, and magic and 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 uh, and you know is, is is so dark and so and 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 so conflicted and so this, this by which this we've been flooded of, uh, and under which we've been inundated, right? Yeah, yeah, um, right. And, and, and uh, so this, this 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 book is a is a breath of fresh air. It really is. It is. It's uh, very refreshing. Now, so in the. Uh, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention about the idea of mermaids acquiring souls. You know, the ones I talked to, it's kind of like, are you kidding? The human race may not even be around very long. Why would I? Why would I want to acquire a human soul? But and well, that's I, the, I guess that. The girls yeah, I guess that. that was, yeah. But but in the second book, uh, it's called Caius Aurelius Lucas and the Mermaid. Uh, a Roman senator goes to the temple of Jupiter, and and he's told that he's got a woman who's a mermaid, and he's told point blank. You know, you can have a great relationship with her, but once she dies, she goes back to her own realm, and she's lost forever from the human race. So if you want to keep her around to meet her again in another lifetime or to make her a part a treasure that helps human evolution, you've got to give her a human soul. And so the story evolves into how to do that. In the first book, there's a story called The Modern Mermaid where an Atlantean magician realizes and this is verbatim from the girl. I got this on videotape. He realizes that in order to hold her in a human body, he's got to bind her to the five elements and shut her out from contact with her own realm. And she's reincarnated, and she's met that. This is her story. She tells me she and the magician have met each other again, and now they're in love. And he recalls the Atlantean experience. He recalls that they share the same memories. So I'm saying, you know, you got a great story. You got to write this in a novel. Yeah, so, absolutely. So in some cases, yeah. uh, it's it's in the I interest that, of you human know, beings yeah. to get them to have a soul. I don't think it's necessarily their own inclination to do so. From my experience. And if they're well, after you a know, soul, perhaps uh, perhaps we have to clean up our the 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 people that have souls need to do a little house cleaning first. And uh, if we're going to give them a soul, we have to give them a, one that's a little more purified than than perhaps is prevalent right now. I guess. Well, I <laughs> I, I think you know, let me let me say this. I think that uh, that the human soul is sort of partakes of all five elements. I I, I really believe it does. And oh, yeah. and regardless and and regardless of uh, you know of, of of how one particular element might be personified in an elemental, but 
if we're, we're going to really be cannibalistically metaphoric in all of this, and I'm not saying Barden would agree with me on this, but I think I think the human soul is is uh, uh, sort of sort of is our, our our elemental pentagram, and and uh, and in partakes of all four of all four of these elements, and 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 I think this is why. This is why uh, uh, our our mentor uh, Franz Barden has us doing this balancing act with his with his internal mirrors. Uh, he wants us to get our soul uh, to re, you know he wants us to get our house in order, uh, 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 our spiritual house in order in this respect. Uh, Bill, I I want either you or myself. To read one of your your shorter stories here to give to give the listeners a an idea of just exactly what what they're going to encounter in this book and I have a I have picked one out myself which I'm sitting here looking at that I would like if you if you would rather me read it I'll read it or if you would rather read it uh, then then you have the book right there with you I'm sure uh, then you could read it but the story that I'd like to read. Uh, is the Bedtime Stories 2, The Song of the Universe, which is on page 211. Uh, would you rather read it, or would you rather have me read it? No, I'd love to hear your voice. What? Go ahead. All right. Daughter, Mommy, Mother, Yes, Dear, and Daughter says, uh, The Bedtime Stories You Read Me Are Sometimes Scary. And the Mother says, Yes. And the daughter says, and that is because they are meant to prepare me for difficult things that I may encounter later in life. And the mother says, you could say that. And the daughter replies, but uh, some things like hungry ghosts or maybe hobgoblins or monsters that lurk in closets when the lights go out, some things scare these creatures as well. And mother says, like what? And the daughter says, well, like a darkness that is darker than dark. Monsters are afraid of what they cannot understand and cannot in any way control. And the mother says, I'm sure that's true. And the daughter says, and some things are so bright, brighter than the brightest light. The stars were created to share their light. And the mother says, tell me more. And the daughter says, well, you read me a bedtime story every night, and then I fall asleep. And we have been doing this for years. Does anyone read you bedtime stories to help you fall asleep? And the mother says, bedtime stories for grown-ups? Why, yes. Each night before I go to sleep, I sit and meditate. And then I open my mind. But it is not a story that comes to me. There are no villains, no heroes, no quests, no maidens kidnapped by dragons who need to be rescued, no kingdoms to be saved from invasion, no mighty knights on white horses galloping across the land to right wrongs and to establish justice on earth, and no treasures to be found. And then the daughter says, no, what then? And mother says, instead, the universe sings to me. And when I hear her song, I fall asleep in peace, just like you after I have read you a story. And the daughter says, well, what is this song? And the mother replies, she sings of stars and galaxies. Each star is a note in her song, sounding on and on, sometimes for billions of years. And each galaxy is filled with wonders so magnificent, you have to experience them before you can imagine them. 
and she sings of the beginning of all things of innocence and purity. And as she sings, ages, aeons, and kalpas of time pass before my eyes. And she sings, and I enter the minds of beings from all the realms, races, of which no man has ever seen or imagined. I enter their dreams and experience their lives, and they treat me as if I am one of them. Time is a stream, and this stream flows through me. And when she sings, I look and see the universe inside of me. She is my lover and my friend. And the daughter says, Mommy. And the mother says, Yes, honey. And the daughter says, Can you sing me her song? And the mother says, You want to hear the song of the universe? And the daughter says, Yes, I do. The song she sings to you before you fall asleep at night. And the mother says, Tomorrow night, if the sky is clear... We will sit outside and look at the stars. Pick any star you see, and I will tell you its its song, its story, and the magic that it has to share. And when we have done this enough, you will begin to hear with my ears and see with my eyes. And then in every person you meet, you will sense hidden in them something of the joy of the universe that it wishes to share. And as you sense already, her light is brighter than bright, and the stars have been created so that we can see a small part of her beauty. And the daughter says, good night, Mommy. And mother says, good night, sweetheart. I, I think that's, that's beautiful. I hope really I did some justice to it. But, uh, but you know, it, 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 you start, you, 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 it's the music of the spheres, uh, thank you know, uh, thank Pythagoras, the music of the spheres, and we end with, uh, and then we end with the idea that that uh, of Namaste, the God within me salutes the God within you. I mean, I mean, who could ask for more than that? Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and uh, uh, Bill, you, you have a you have a website that uh, that that are that are, uh, that, are uh, listen, uh, that our listeners can go to to. Explore more of your, uh, do you? Uh, for me? Yeah, do you have well, a website that you, you can refer our listeners to? Well, I, I, every day I usually post on uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash William R. Mistley. And there's also williammistley.com and williamrmistley.com. So you can get most of what I do right there. I must have like oh, five or six yeah. books on my Facebook page. Yeah, that that's that's what we need. I'm not much of a Facebook person, but so so excuse me. I should have I should have suggested I should have added that to uh, added to my website uh, question. Uh, and uh, is there any other story in 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 uh, in the book here that you would uh, that you'd like to refer us to uh, that 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 we could uh, that we could either read or summarize? Well, uh, a lot of people like Farmer Jack Allen and the Sylph just because it's it, so ordinary reality down to earth. Um, yeah, I would say that that seems to be a favorite all around. Just uh, you know, the, it, the, it's a Barden idea. You know, the guy has an empty mind. He was kind of born with it. He can sit on his porch for a half hour and not think one thought. He notices things. Oh, yes. He feels, but he doesn't think. He doesn't comment or respond to anything he's perceiving. But his mind is. Oh yes, yeah, sure. yeah, I recall that. That's very good. Uh, what page is that on right now? If you if you if you're if you're on it, right? It's uh, seven and eleven. 
and um, he uh, he meets these sylphs. Now the thing about sylphs, when mermaids uh, are highly a uh, Well, they're the ones that come in with the storm, I believe. Some are very stormy. <laughs> one girl, one girl, she broke up with her boyfriend. She sat on the beach in Santa Barbara uh, that night. She had a talk with the sea, and it was so rough the next day. The harbor was closed for ten days. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be careful who you upset. But the tough girls are more uninhibited because they're of the air of freedom. So men tend to get more roused around. They don't know why. They're just in the room, and you know these guys get turned on. They don't know where it's coming from. So that's that's a self girl. You you get this sense, marvelous sense of freedom and and being relaxed beyond anything you've ever experienced before. So the farmer just has that thing that they get attracted to him because his mind is like the sky, and they like that. They really like that in human beings. So if you're around a self, you know, because usually they're so busy sensing the weather, temperature changes in pressure and humidity and electromagnetism and, and evaporation kind of that they, they don't ever become still. But the sky is always behind all the weather. So when they meet a human being whose mind is like the sky, it's like, whoa, that is attractive. So that's how the story goes. He attracts two different girls who actually come down and live with him for a year. Yeah. You, uh, like myself, you went back to school and got a degree in anthropology, specializing in, in linguistics. Uh, and and uh, this, of course, shows in some of the stories here. I, you know, I especially like when the one where where God sends Michael, or sends the archangel Michael down to uh, uh, to kind of uh, interview the Neanderthals, and <laughs> and uh, and then 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 sends him down for the down for the Cro-Magnons and what have you. And and this, you know, this this is uh, this is fascinating. But also, you keep going, and and in the science fiction end of it. Uh, you're dealing with artificial intelligence, you know, with androids and how they and how they feel and all that. And that, that, by the way, is is uh, is very thought provoking and very and very profound, because I think, as I recall, you have a story about an android that uh, uh, that actually uh, that actually wants to he, he kind of wants to be human and and uh, and and primarily wants to help human beings, whereas. Uh, so many of these science fiction stories, you know, they have uh, they have the uh, the negative idea, like the androids are going to take over from us, and you know, and, yeah, this is this is kind of a positive view of of artificial intelligence. And of course, you have the you have the universal, uh, you know, the hierarchy of the universe, and and the heavenly dating bureau, uh, you know, where people after you know, very Swedenborgian, by the way. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you're. I'm sure you've uh, you've read Swedenborg, you know, and and uh, and and also I suspect that you've also read James Branch Cavill because you know some of the uh, I, I notice a touch of, of James Branch Cavill coming coming up at, around around and about. Uh, speaking of that, you want to give us kind of an idea of of of, uh, of the. Of the magical uh, fiction that's that's uh, that that has has been uh, an influence on you. Well, the, these stories about the Akashic departments that that comes right from Barden's 360 Spirits of the Earth Zone. You know, like must be at least eight of them that specialize in romantic love. So if you go to them, it's it's like they're sitting there in a room waiting, like we're bored to tears. You know, no one ever visits us. 
And then it's like, oh, you want love. And they snap their finger and you, you're madly in love with some girl you meet on the street or something, you know. But you've got to have wisdom to, to make it work. So the, 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 I had a friend and he, he evoked the Venus spirit one time. He skipped the earth zone. He skipped the moon. He skipped Mercury, went to Venus. And the Venus spirit said, what can I do for you? And he says, what can you teach me? So he falls madly in love with this girl. And it's just, he can't handle it. So he calls the Venus spirit back and says, can you break this off, the spell? I can't, I can't live, you know, with this type of level of passion in my life. So, so that's kind of the drama that goes, you got all, you got the whole spiritual university here. And uh, like there's must, there's at least 12 spirits that specialize in writing stories and poetry. That's 3% of the earth stone is, is trying to get us to understand the power of a story. You want to understand yourself Write your life as a story. Then you know yourself. Other, if you don't do that, you know you're you're missing the drama of what it was to have lived your life. So, uh, in a way, I'm cheating. You know, I didn't. I my parents when they wanted me to study business, and I wanted to study philosophy. I didn't get literature. So I, you know, I'm kind of inventing this all out of thin air. I, well, your I like story about the troll. Your uh, your story about the troll under the bridge. I was thinking about your. Your uh, your your um, your minor in accounting. Uh, when I when I when I was reading the story about the troll under the bridge. And oh, yeah, I'm inventing my own investment strategies. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was that that was kind of that that was almost a almost a projection there of uh, of, of Bill with his minor in accounting. <laughs> and. Uh, and, uh, and the troll under the bridge is a delightful story about the the, the forgetful troll under the bridge that 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 that, that, that just can't handle the toll. He just he just can't handle collecting all these tolls. And finally, the well, wizard comes along. An, and, what, that's Mark? an important message on. I say that's an important message. That story on uh, forgetting who we really are. And I, I seem to recall that. Uh, the troll was consulting with the king of the trolls and said, well, no, don't ban your post because three other trolls have turned into stone. And in a sense, I think uh, by having our circumstances define us, we're really reducing the concept of who we are and developing dementia or whatever the condition was. And really it was a message at the end that said, you know, uh, I can make you young again and you can simply be as young as you really want to be. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, you're, you're suddenly delightful. looking into yeah. yourself. I, that, that's a very yeah, important message, I think, especially for children. And I really admire that because of that, that moral message. Also, I found very interesting is the, uh, the uh, you were talking, Poke, about conflict and, and the uh, optimistic, out, the positive aspect of conflict. I identified that in the knight and the maiden and the dragon where, you know, the the king and the queen, I believe, they were going back and forth, one representing the dragon, one representing the the knight. And they had this enormous conflict, the, their view of the world, and the only way it finally resolved was when each decided to step into the other's shoes and see what life was like, uh, a knight to look at life, what life would be like as a dragon and vice versa. And that's how resolution came about. And I think that for, for children and adults is a very powerful message. Yeah, that was fun. The uh, the dragon liked the, being a knight and having stories told about him. <laughs> yes, yes. 
And, you know, uh, uh, frankly, uh, Mr. Mistila, I believe that these stories of yours would really um, develop into beautiful little films if you ever wanted to consider consider that. And furthermore, the, the blue spruce tree, that one I can see being, being developed into a beautiful poem, potentially yeah. a poem. That was fun. Yeah. St. Patrick and the Elves was, had that conflict of Ireland, you know, like St. Patrick actually took a harp away from a bard because he said, you're, you're playing notes that aren't Christian. So I kind of expanded that into how the, the, the queen of the blessed realm came into our world through the harp, and she took all the snakes of Ireland back with her, which After was a tribute to St. Patrick. Finally convinced uh, St. Patrick that, you know, that everybody, every entity, whether Christian or not, has, has something to, to give to the world. Yeah, that it's was, a beautiful that story. Was, it'll beautiful take story. ages for them to work that out. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. The, you know, the stories of Atlantis uh, were, were, uh, were very good, too. And uh, and uh, I think you you kind of following Edgar Casey on the Atlantis uh, on the Atlantis thing with the with the crystal technology and and also the, and and also the creation of the variforms and I think that uh, that all in all this this entire book is uh, is just delightful and and and. Uh, and we can't recommend it. Uh, we can't recommend it too much. I mean, it, it really, it, it, it really should be on every, on every occultist and 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 and, uh, and magician's bookshelf after they read it. And and uh, so, um, I'm encouraged to encourage people to get it. It is. Uh, it's called Stories of Magic and Enchantment by William R. Mister Lay, and and it's published by Falcon Books Publishing. And don't confuse that with Falcon Press. This is this is a new new uh, company, Falcon Books Publishing. And uh, I want to thank you very very much, uh, Bill, for for uh, coming on with us, and and uh, and of course especially for sending us the copies of the book. And uh, we wish you with all the success. Uh, possible with this uh, with this one and and do I read things wrong uh, when I'm looking at that at Falcon's website? Do you have a book on on magical uh, Western magical tantra coming up? No, that's, she's got um, Martin Fox and Virgil and and a uh, number of people who she's publishing. It's really nice because Tanya's kind of forming a group out of us. We we would never connect to each other but she's bringing us all together so that's really fun i have a book on mermaid stories coming out next through through falcon and also uh, a screenplay and and um biography of a girl from the pleiades the mermaid but she's also starcy are you going to publish the screenplay or or are you or are you going to try to get it and try to get it uh in into production well, first is the biography, and then I'm I'm going to write the, the biography is basically done, and uh, publish that, and then the uh, screenplay comes out of that. That takes a little more. You have to create a mindset of screenplays, not not novel, and then it's finding a. Producer. So in other words, not, it's going to be going to be narrative treatment style, to, uh, yeah, for publication. It's, it's it's exactly like the movie K Pax about a guy who's from another star who 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 he ends up in a human body here. She's got a story just oh, I like love that. that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Uh, that Capex. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that Capex is is a beautiful story. Yeah. So I found the and, female and, version. Uh, of the story. 
Yeah. And perhaps anyway, a documentary uh, on uh, life through the eyes of a gnome. I think that's what, that's when you have to come right. up with. Yeah, or a troll from under the bridge. And I got the bridge. I got the bridge out here. The troll could stay under. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Mel, and, and, and we look forward to the next uh, to your next book. And, and we want this one to uh, we want this one to go out to all the, all the folks that uh, that will enjoy it. And and, uh, and thank 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 you, Mary, for coming on and contributing. And and we'll see you guys soon. Uh, I thank you both. Uh, well, thanks. Thank okay. Thank you, Mr. Mastile, and thank you, Pope. Thanks, thanks, Master Pilos, and, and thanks, uh, uh, Master Bill Mastile. And uh, and I certainly deserve the title. Both of you certainly deserve the title of maestro. Uh, and all the rest of you out there listening, uh, tune in next week, same same time, same channel, and and meanwhile, good magic. Good night. Good night.